Hey friends, this is Hannah Wedger, an agriculture teacher in St. Paul, Minnesota, land of 10,000 lakes. And I'm here to talk all things agriculture education related, curriculum, classroom management, FFA, career development events, SAEs, and whatever else you wanna hear about. It's basically me sharing chapters from my book of agriculture with all of you. So let's dig in. Hey friends, I am here again, not in my minivan, but with a guest. And we are going to turn the tables a little bit tonight. So uh, my husband and I are at home on New Year's Eve, which is completely different than 10 years ago. Um, Our kiddos are sleeping Uh, And we are sitting by the fire with a glass of wine and we're going to flip the tables a little bit or turn the tables. So he is going to interview me. Um, But before he does that, I think it's always important to get to know um, who you're listening to. So I'm going to have him introduce himself a little bit. So Caleb, go ahead. Hmm. (laughs) Good evening. It's not how we discussed that, but I guess I'll just uh, dive in. My name is Caleb. I thoroughly enjoy everything outside, especially fishing. Being from the land of 10,000 lakes, that should be no surprise. Born and raised in Minnesota. Spent most of my 20s in the Minnesota Air National Guard, which is time I wouldn't trade for anything. Since then, I'm currently a production manager in a paper converting factory, which isn't exactly something I would have thought I would have gravitated towards, but I quite like. So now I mostly enjoy spending time with my family and my amazing wife, who you're all very familiar with, and gardening and getting outside when I can. It's pretty much me. All right, so now's the part where we get to turn the tables and you get to ask me questions. I might have to ask you some questions back, too. I don't know about that. Because we both know that I don't like to give up control. <laughs> we'll agree. <laughs> well, let's just start with, like, uh, some rapid fire. Okay. Favorite color? Pink. Pink? Yeah. Is your favorite color. Okay. I like to say clear too because that's something that you said and it's really funny to see like what kids say or what people say when you say clear is my favorite color. Just for perspective, that's something I told you when we were 17 and you were 16. I know. You also said it when we were peer mediators in fourth grade and I remember that as well. Mm. For context, we did not like we went to the same elementary school but did not like know each other in elementary school. But then we went back, looked like looked in our yearbooks, and we were in like 
in some of the same extracurriculars. Favorite sport? Oh. Yeah. I am not a sport person. I know Is you're yoga not. a sport? Yoga can be a sport. Yoga. Yoga, that's a good answer. Uh, favorite flower? Oh. Can I do seasonal? You can do seasonal. Okay, so spring I would do peonies. Mid summer, summer I like I would do um, probably zinnias. Even though zinnias go into the fall, and then I would say that sunflowers are my favorite fall one. And then winter, I'm super basic in like red twig dogwood. Fair enough. Classic. Classic. It's classic though. You gotta go with it. It's classic. Um, pizza or wings? Um, now I would say wings. Because the whole dairy-free, gluten-free doesn't really support pizza. But I do really, like, I think in general I would have probably said wings before anyways. As long as it has ranch or blue cheese with it. Really? Yeah. That makes sense. I don't, but like, I don't feel like I would have guessed that. I don't super enjoy pizza. Unless, like, you we don't get, like, like pizza. the I don't like think, cheesy bread. I, I think like I, cheesy I think, bread. I think I've made you not like pizza. Because you don't like my pizza. Yeah, you always make me get the yucky stuff. Shout out to my green olive pepperoni people of the world. Gross. Everybody knows that's the greatest pizza ever. It's so disgusting. No. Almost as disgusting as the Hawaiian people. We can agree on that. Yeah. If, like, if you Canadian put, bacon and... Yeah, if you put pineapple on your pizza, that's poor taste. You're low class. I'm (laughs) I'm going there. I'm going there. there. All right. Uh, Favorite season, since Mm. we're on the seasonal. Yeah, so we're in Minnesota. We get all seasons right now. How much snow do you think we have outside? I mean, it's not that bad. Maybe... Six to eight? Yeah. Six to eight inches outside right now. Um, I, I don't know. I always said that I liked fall, but I almost think I really like summer now. I think that's my favorite. I don't like spring especially because it's muddy and I don't really enjoy mud. Kids do. Yeah, I don't. And, um, I don't know. Summer's like... Our garden is growing super well, like late summer, like late summer, almost fall is my favorite. Hmm. Although I do really like like the first snow in winter as well. Hmm. What's your favorite one? Mm, Spring, I think. Seriously? Yeah. So much to look forward to. That's my least favorite. You bust out the shorts, you're like pasty white. At least I'm pasty white. I am too. Start getting some sun. First couple warm days of spring. You mean you're Minnesotan and you don't wear your shorts all year round? No. <laughs> Favorite class to teach. Ugh. And it can't be floral design. I just got this question asked to me the other day um, on a different interview. And I honestly... Um, so, uh, Julie Ketterling, who teaches in the same school district as me, but at a different high school, her and I, like, went through and redid our small animal care curriculum, 
I think that's my favorite class to teach now. Um, it's just such a wide variety of students in that class, like ninth through 12th grade. I would say probably 70% of the kids I've never had before. Um, so it's fresh meat. <laughs> um, but the curriculum has just been really beefed up and a lot of really good hands-on activities for kids to do. And um, I've gotten a lot of good feedback from it too. And so I think I really enjoy that one. I do. You do know that I like floral design. Though. It's just so fun and creative. But yeah, I don't know. I'm teaching some new classes this year too. So we'll see how those all pan out. Which ones are you teaching? Um, plant science is, I taught it at the school I taught at previously but not at Highland, so I haven't taught it for five years. Is that the college and the schools one? No, college and mm. the schools would be the college and the schools animal science. Mm. So those are my two new classes. Hmm. All right. I taught plant science, but it was when I had a greenhouse, so it's going to look different. You know, you don't have a greenhouse, you're not going to do the same stuff. Yeah. I mean, yes and no, but... Fair enough. All right, last one biggest pet peeve in the classroom and out of the classroom I don't know if I would have known this I could have like what do you mean you don't know <clears throat> what is it I don't know I just feel like I can ramble <laughs> off many things that upset you um what upsets me I'm never upset. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> I mean, there's one, but... In the classroom or out of the classroom? Out of the classroom. <laughs> People that eat loud. I, that doesn't bother me. That How bothers does that you. How bother you? That is your own You've thing. You've complained about coworkers eating loud. I have not. Shout out to Matt McKinney. <laughs> okay, he knows that he eats loud. He does. Um, <clears throat> so I'm trying to spice it up a little yeah, bit. Yeah, well, thank you for that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I One of my pet peeves is when students are in the bathroom for like 10 hours. And you're like, <laughs> I know that you weren't in there. And then they're like, no, I was pooping, really. Like, kids will literally say that. And I'm like, you were not pooping. You were walking around, whatever. I mean, as, like, to speak on those kids' behalf, previously being one of them, like, sometimes you just need some space. Yeah, that's fine. I don't know. It just bothers me. I know one that really bothers me. Beginning of the school year, I, like, go over where everything is in my classroom, and then, like, multiple times, I'll go, over, like, this is where the spare pencils are. If you need a pencil, here's a pencil. They all have boxes on their desks, like, pencil boxes with, like, pencils and markers and whatever. And I still have a kid that will get up. Oh, this is the other one. Okay, I'm on a roll now. Still have a kid that will get up in the middle of class, like, when I'm talking or giving directions, and be like, I need a pencil. Where's the pencil? <laughs> like, I mean, I feel like the no 5S Six Sigma manufacturing manager in me wants to ask you if they're clearly labeled yes they are labeled oh. and they have a picture of what a pencil looks like that's on pretty it good because that's my el students can then identify without being able to read pencil. that's on them i mean the other thing is when students get up in the middle of me talking and are like 
can I go to the bathroom? And I'm like, I'm literally in the middle of directions. Yeah, that's pretty rude. That makes me so crazy. Like That'd be frustrating. That's when I get a little bit spicy. That's when I get like rude and I wish I wouldn't get rude, but like... Hey. I mean, it's probably better. I feel like it's... That's when I get snarky. Better for the student to understand that that's like inappropriate behavior. Yeah. That'd be pretty rude in like a corporate environment to like stand up during a presentation and be like... I need to go to the bathroom. Let me run to the bathroom real quick. <laughs> that's right. when I pull this stupid, like, oh, I don't know, can you go to the bathroom? I mean, that's probably inappropriate, but, <laughs> like. <laughs> so, when was the very first time that you thought, like, maybe I'll go to school? Like, when is the first thought you ever had about like being you ever considered being a teacher at um, all so I'm the oldest obviously you know that but not everyone else does I have two younger sisters and they will tell you and other kids that I've babysat will tell you that I used to force them to play I mean they they went along with it but we would always play school and I was always the teacher and would not let anyone else be the teacher um so, I think it was always something that I wanted to do. When I was in high school, though, I didn't see it as, like, a viable option. Um, why? That's interesting to me. Why? I don't know why. I just... I think it was because I didn't know what content I would teach. And, like, and so it felt like, well, I, don't, I can't teach English. Do you think there and was, like, a stigma around it? Like being a teacher? Yeah, like pay wise. No, like... I don't think it was any of that. I don't. I just didn't find. I didn't know of a content that I really felt like I clicked with. Interesting. Um, and then, good old Bob Marzoff pulled me in his office. Bob Marzoff is my um one of my agriculture teachers while I was in high school. I was like, I really think you need to be an agriculture teacher. And I was like, You're Was this like what what grade were you in? I think I was a senior. So, I mean, that had to be interesting, like... I told him he was that, crazy. I previ- said, there's no way. Previous to that, then, like, what were you thinking your career path was going to be <laughs> post-high school? Um, a podiatrist or a pharmacist. Why? Because they make money. And I, I'm That's not it. afraid of... Free- I'm not afraid of feet. Like, I think feet are interesting. So, you, want just, you wanted to be a foot doctor. Yeah. I mean... So, it's foot doctor... <laughs> I mean, I pharmacy. feel like... Bob didn't have his work cut out for him. And, like, that's a pretty easy... I just didn't... I mean, I didn't really know. I was just grabbing at straws, I thought. Fair enough. So your senior year, Bob tells you you need to be an ag teacher. I told him. I said, you're crazy about being an agriculture teacher. I and, said, like, thanks, but no thanks. And he said... He was like, okay, we'll just keep it in the back of your mind. It's an option. All right, so let's play the tape for a little bit. You were a couple months away from graduation. You must have been, like, looking at schools. Yeah, I applied to... Like, maybe talk about that a little bit, like, because we both... Neither of us had parents that went to college, and we've both talked about before how we feel like that was a handicap Mm -hmm. that we faced as we looked at post-secondary options. 
Yeah. I just realized that, that in my, like, immediate family, I'm the first person that's graduated from college. Yeah. It's a big deal. Um, so I, I don't even know what major, like, I applied for at these colleges. Like, I honestly don't remember what the major was. So did you apply for anything out of state? Nope. What schools did you apply for? Um... So, St. Scholastica in Duluth, University of Minnesota, Duluth, University of Minnesota, Twin Cities, Winona, and Century College, which was a community college. Did you get accepted to all of them? Yeah. Any of them? All all of them. You were a good student, though. Yeah. What was your GPA? I don't remember. Three point something. It was good. Three point eight, maybe. You had it together. You scored well on your SAT. Didn't take the SAT. Did the ACT. I think I got 26. Which my students say is good. I you were a good student. I only took it once, though. I remember I you thinking you were smart. Multiple times. Yeah. I mean, our <laughs> listeners probably know. We, like, met, we met in high school. We were not high school sweethearts. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean... But we met I feel in like this school. is a tangent... No. We weren't? No. Mm-hmm. Don't get to call that high school sweetheart. I mean, we dated. We didn't date. It was terrible. <laughs> wow. That feels... You broke my heart. I did. Look at us now. Look at us now. Anyways. Where were we? So I applied for all of those colleges, got into all of them, and I... um. I literally, so I decided I was going to go to Winona because I like just the campus and everything. And the campus or like friends? No, I didn't have any friends that were going there. So it was like legit you were going to Winona. Yeah. And then I like to the point where I had picked out like a, I got paired up with someone for a dorm. And then I was like, I'm not going. I don't know what, I just was like, I'm not going. So hold on. So. You were thinking like foot doctor, but you didn't. No, at that time it was pharmacy. Pharmacy. Mm-hmm. So did Winona have like a far- good? A decent... I have no idea. So that was the part where like I really did, had no idea what I was doing when I was. So you like, just applied to college. a bunch of state schools. Mm-hmm. Decided on Winona, mm-hmm. which is in southern Minnesota. Mm-hmm. And. So, like, this is, like, August, probably? No, it was, like, July. July? When you got paired up with someone? hmm Okay. So, you got the letter, like, hey, you're accepted. Yeah. Congratulations. Yeah, like, and, and then you got a letter that was, like, hey. hmm She liked horses. So that's all I know. That's how I remember about her. And then you're just, like, nah. Nope. Were your parents, like, what were, what was, like, the home dichotomy while you were, like, deciding to go to college? Nada. I mean, it was... I was doing... Yeah, I was doing it all. They didn't really know what to do or how to do it. <clears throat> Which is okay. I mean, they just It is know. okay. It is okay. But I think it gives you good insight to helping students now that face oh, yeah. a similar situation. Like, Absolutely. What, how many do you... Like, what percentage do you think still today students mm. you have that would be first 
I don't have a super good guess, I don't think. I mean, I just knowing some of the students that I'm really close with, uh, almost half of them, I would say, their parents are um, have not gone to college, don't have that education. I don't know. I think for me it was, and I, I don't know if I use this as an excuse or not, it's super scary to go to college. And I had two younger sisters, and I just really didn't want to leave, like, that family dichotomy. So, I, um, I don't know. I just, I didn't know, and I wasn't sure how to navigate the whole college thing. And well, it's scary. After, after some very unscholarly research... <laughs> According to Google, the first thing that pops up is that 69.7% is the percentage of high school graduates that attend college still today. Hmm. It's kind of crazy, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I mean, still just, just basic. Well, I mean, 70, 70%. Hmm. I think... I think It'd be uh, interesting to know what it was 10, 20, 30 years ago. Yeah, and I think our school district's different. Obviously, probably different than that. Yeah. But anyways, I don't know. So I went to, I ended up going to community college for two years. Century. Yep. And I know as I've ran into people that I've played mentor to or non, maybe not mentor might be a, a reach, but I know I've cited your going to community college as a great decision. Yeah. Fiscally and just overall, like, can you describe that experience or? Yeah, I mean, it's, it was. Did you have a major when you were going to Century? No, it was just, I was just going to get like a general AA degree. Going because you knew. I had, I had. You knew further education was for you, but you didn't have a plan. So it was like, I know I need to get an AA and I know I need some time to kind of, and I don't even think I was like, aware that I needed some time to figure stuff out, but I needed some time to figure stuff out, so. And I know you talk a lot about, when you talk about your kids at home, your your kids in your classroom at home, I should say, <laughs> I think you say a lot about how you encourage them. I, I think that experience has come full circle because it feels like you really still encourage students that whether or not they know what they want to do, you encourage them to pursue some, some kind of post-secondary experience. Yeah. Yeah. My whole mantra or my whole thing that I tell students is like, I don't care what you do after high school, but you need some type of further training. So whether it's you go and get your CDL and drive truck or you are going to go to a two-year college and get your, I don't know, get trained for welding or do an apprenticeship or whatever else, like you need more than just a high school diploma, but it doesn't necessarily have to be a four-year degree. Um, And I think it's so important for students to like hear the different paths that teachers have taken. And I think that um, at Highland, I think we do a really good job of teachers sharing kind of the different paths that they've taken and different schools that they've went to and what it is, what does it look like for them? And, 
So, kind of maybe quickly address, like, that path from Century to the University of Minnesota. And I, I, I've always just been super impressed by, I mean, I think that will end up being a really good experience for you to go from one to the other, see the difference, and then ultimately graduate from the University of Minnesota with, but maybe you can describe kind of when maybe you start gaining steam at Century as far as that, this calling to be a teacher and maybe when that, when that clicked. Yeah, so I was really fortunate that Century had a um, horticulture program, and so I found myself taking elective classes that were um, anyway related to the horticulture program. Um, and so I remember one day, like being in the greenhouse, taking care of some of the plants, and I'm like, "Why am I doing this? Like, gosh darn it! Like Bob was right." <laughs> I'm doing all this stuff with like plants. I like learning about agriculture. So I you really, really think you there was like a moment for it you, was, that, like it light was bulb like a, moment. You were found yourself like, yeah. And that was Mel. Yeah, too. I had Mel Napton um, as a professor there, um, and it. I mean, I took a woody plants class, and so we got to like walk around the campus, and we went to all these really like Bailey's Nursery and a bunch of the other big horticultural companies and learned about new plants and I like that was my favorite class it was a class that I look forward to um, I enjoyed learning about it I enjoyed studying the material and so it just made sense like if I enjoy this and I knew that I liked like the animal science side why would I not want to teach that because I knew that I had a passion for like leadership and being around um, younger people and kind of infusing that so and I knew that I wanted to stay local and so the program that was local was the university of minnesota and that was also the one that i was most familiar with so to, for i mean not to slow the process down but so you have a light bulb moment in the greenhouse mm-hmm. which we've both had affinities while working in a greenhouse <laughs> we both have there's something have, magical about a greenhouse. we've both had those light bulb <laughs> moments in greenhouses yeah because I also work in the local greenhouse where we grew up as a high school student and had a couple of those light bulb moments. But so you have this moment and and then what? Like you said, like, oh, Bob was right. Then did you reach out to Bob or what, what happened from there? I that, don't remember. I, I don't remember if I reached out to him or not, but I know that I met with like an admissions counselor there at, at the U of at M. The U. Yeah. And this was like a year two in a century or yeah you're two in the fall so you were essentially finishing up your associates Mm -hmm. yeah so I went and met with the admissions counselor and she kind of walked me through like what classes would I have to take what classes would transfer um all of that stuff and then so like that's probably a kind of a scare tactic or maybe something people would be concerned about I always kind of felt like your associates like if like I've already said like I really feel like your two years in community college and then finishing out the U is a great yeah great deal for you financially and for and just like education wise do you would did you and I we've all heard nightmare stories about like credits not transferring but because you had your AA did that kind of was that pretty seamless or was that um, 
I thought it was pretty seamless. There was a like some of my classes just transferred as elective versus like directly to certain credits. But I will say that I know that the they now have like a way more smooth process called like a two plus two, mm-hmm. um, where I think the process is even easier than it was because people weren't doing that when is as crazy as it seems um 10 years ago a decade ago people weren't doing the two years at community college and two years at the university um at least for agat it was kind of unheard of um or not that popular um and now i think it's a lot more popular why why do you think they've kind of because you know from the outside looking in you uh, there's been a lot of talk about pathways mm-hmm. and how we can as a society make that level of entry at whatever people's comfortability level is into something post-secondary like you talk about as simple as possible and if people aren't ready to jump right into the four-year like can you speak to a little bit about like maybe some of the pros and some of the cons as we like hopefully not but maybe make that whole system a little more bureaucratic um well like the pros and the cons of doing the two plus two sort of deal sure and how po- i mean it's kind of it's kind of trendy right now right i i would say it's more popular definitely. or at least there's more visibility on it yeah I mean, I think there's more visibility for a couple of reasons. I think, one, that it's beneficial both for the community college and for the university. Um, and I think it's I think that some of these community colleges are realizing that they're going to have to work with the universities in order to survive. Mm-hmm. So I think why, there's a lot well, more... Why? Why, I guess? I don't know. I don't why know do what you, the... Do you think the community colleges are struggling right now? Yeah, I know they're struggling. At least, at least I know that the agricultural based um, programs within those community colleges are struggling. Maybe is a better one. Was there an option not to bring it back? But was there an option to? Could you have got your teaching license at that community college? No, no. Mm-hmm. it was just two years essentially, and mm-hmm. so. further articulating between the community colleges and the university is I mean from your vantage point is that a good place for maybe a lot of students to maybe like start I mean I think it depends on the student if there's a student that knows that they are like rip roaring ready to go in egg ed Mm -hmm. it might be a decent spot for them to start at right at the university and do their whole four year there I think a couple of the things that I feel like I missed out on were some of the like extracurriculars like egg ed club and just more of like the camaraderie with different people like mm-hmm. I I would say I met like a good really core group of like 10 people but I feel like I didn't really get to know like a lot of people and didn't get like the full university experience um, which I don't know if I'm like, if I really missed out or not, I think that the, I like the path that I took. Um, 
So if you but had a if you had a student that was kind of on the fence, I would tell them to do community college first. Yeah. Even though they might feel that they miss out on some of the yeah college experience, how co- why? I mean, like two. What's the top two reasons? I would say cost for sure is one mm-hmm. of them, and I think the second one is that, and it kind kind of goes along with the cost, but it allows you to, I mean. The thing that always drove me crazy is that I, at Century College, I had professors that were teaching at private colleges, private universities, and were also teaching at the community college. And they would say, like, we are teaching the exact same content to both of you. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, that part, you know, you're still getting a really high quality education at a community college um, for a lot less. The other thing is that community college could also provide potentially I felt like my schedule in community college was a little bit more flexible and so Mm -hmm. you know I know for a fact that I have some students I can think of that really just need like on the job like time to work but maybe they still want to do some of that like still kind of start getting some credits or whatever I think that might be a good option for them too Mm. More flexibility in your schedule for working and stuff like that. Yeah, which I can relate to. Like, if you're someone that isn't super, like you said, set on knowing exactly what you want your path to be, that maybe that's kind of a place that provides you a little more autonomy. Yeah. So, a light bulb moment, fast forward, you, admissions counselor at the University of Minnesota. Okay, now you're, I'm sure there's some. Did you feel like there was a, I mean, like, I'm back in at university now, and previously I've done um, paid for schools like the Rasmussen's and the MSBs of the world, and now I'm in a university, and I, I know I told you that I felt like we're not at community college anymore Dorothy did you feel like you had a similar experience like as far as the workload or or was that a pretty seamless transition I feel like it was pretty seamless I mean there was the the food what was it food science and like safety class or something like that was really difficult but Mm -hmm. I felt like the rest of it was very seamless sure okay so and actually, it was kind of fun because one, once I got to the U of M, all of my classes were a lot more focused on, like, education and, like, agriculture you content. Your, had your generals done. Yeah, I had all my generals done. So, actually, it was really, like, interesting and fun when I got to the university. And, and you'd really... So, you were starting to feel like you'd really kind of... That light bulb moment wasn't a false alarm. That was... Mm-hmm. I want to be an egg teacher. Yeah. So, you finish out at the U. Where'd you student teach? Student taught in Plainview, Elgin, Mill, Millville, which is in southern Minnesota. I loved it. Is that, a, <laughs> is that a big school? Is that a little school? Small school. Small school. Small rural town. Okay. Actually, well, it's three towns put together so they can make a school. So, you student taught down in southern Minnesota. Yep. Farm country. Mm-hmm. And bluffs, sure. <laughs> and then, so kind of walk us through like 
So you're a recent college graduate. No, I wasn't graduated when I student. Not not yet, but now we're fast forwarding. So you're a recent college grad. But I think it's important. For what? To note that I still, when I went into agriculture education, I do remember the admissions counselor selling it to me like. If you end up not wanting to teach, mm. someone in industry will pick you up, no problem. And I think that is and important. And so I was like, well, sweet. This gives me, like, kind of two options, kind of a double major. Like, if I, I don't like, if I don't like teaching, like, I get to student teaching, and I'm like, this sucks. This is not what I signed up for. I can go work for General Mills or Cargill or whatever else, and it will be no problem. That's interesting because I, I distinctively remember... <coughs> remember you at the time feeling and you know how I am about psychology and t- technically spe- He's currently studying psychology. technically speaking <laughs> always having a lateral move is what's healthiest for us mm-hmm. like to perform at our highest ability knowing that we have an out somewhere or a second option is super important to you know which is could be met with the criticism of you know going all in mm-hmm. you know and only having one path yeah but I want I, I, yeah I've always found that you know like in, in any job if you kind of know you have a out if you will exercise properly not in a resentful way can be very productive because you are a little more free to be yourself and, and and it's interesting that you timed out and brought that up because I, I really remember us being young and you really being like, you know, I'm going into it and I'm trying it. And if I don't like it, I have other options and that's great. Mm-hmm. And kind of being able to really immerse yourself in it and not be scared of failure, mm-hmm. which is like really important to growth. So mm-hmm. that's cool. That is really cool. It's cool that you does that. Smart for sure. Super smart. And we've had friends too. You know, Minnesota is such an egg state in a lot of ways. That I, I know I graduated with people that went to the U, thought that they might want to teach and went into egg business versus mm-hmm. egg, egg or agriculture education. I think about half of the people that we graduated with for egg ed are in industry now. Yeah. And the other half are teaching. Yeah, that's super interesting. And I know we know some people that are kind of in between too, have flirted with both. Mm-hmm. So you student taught, and you loved it. Yeah, I did. What, like, why? Um, I really, I mean, I've always enjoyed the connection with the kids, but it was just a really fun connection with the kids. Um, the teachers that I, there's two fellas, um, Steve Heinrichs and Paul Arswold, and they were like the best people for me to teach under. Um, because they were like, go ahead, here you go, it's all yours, and (laughs) um, it was just, it was awesome. I actually lived down in that area too with one of my my mom's cousins on a 300 cow dairy farm, Um, and so just that like immersion into agriculture as well was, um, was really great, like just a really good experience. Um, Yeah, it was, it was a great experience. Um, even the like part of doing like SAE visits and connecting with those kiddos, like f- those four or five kiddos, 
like more on a personal basis and seeing mm-hmm. their farms and how their family farms work and whatever else um, it was really cool I can't remember it was so you graduate so you student teach mm-hmm. you graduate I didn't get a job until the end of June was I in basic or was I deployed you were deployed deployed because mm-hmm. I, I wasn't at your graduation <clears throat> so you graduate and all of my friends had jobs or it felt at like graduation it, it felt like it I'm sure I think and had you did. applied for a bunch of jobs yeah. or I had applied for like four or five had you interviewed for any of them I have interviewed for one other one I think where was that Glencoe Silver Lake Okay. And Becky Haddad, who I've actually had on this um, podcast before, got the job instead of me, which is fine. Did you guys graduate together? I don't Oh, she's, I think, a River Falls grad. Mm. Shout out to Becky. <laughs> Shout out to River Falls. Shout out to Wisconsin taking, taking the first spot. I think so, yeah. yeah. Okay. But God's plan, you wind up where? Sock Rapids Rise. At, as a point nine one, not even a full-time teacher, point nine one. Did you have any reservation about taking that or? There wasn't a whole lot, like there wasn't a whole lot of options that were semi-close to. So this is, this is an interesting, super interesting dichotomy to me. So egg teachers are kind of a premium, right? Yeah, there's right a now? shortage. There's a shortage. Mm-hmm. Was there a shortage when you graduated? Um, I would say there was starting to probably be a shortage at that time. Okay. So, would you have done anything different through that process? I don't think so. No? Just kind of applied everywhere and let the chips fall where they may? Yeah, I mean, I applied to, like, Austin, which is, like, super southern Minnesota. Mm-hmm. And then I ended up, like, deciding I wasn't going to interview. I don't even know why. I was like, I don't want to go over there. Okay. So you wind up in Sock Rapids. Mm-hmm. First year teacher. Mm-hmm. Shock and awe first day that you're like, okay, this is legitimately my classroom or what was, yeah. kind of walk us through that I process. Know. So that school was brand, or not, I mean, it wasn't brand new, but it was newer. Sure. It was nice, a massive classroom. Mm-hmm. It's like probably twice the size my classroom is right now. Mm-hmm. Greenhouse attached to the school. I remember the greenhouse. Beautiful, like. Nice greenhouse. Nice greenhouse. It was small. Small. But it was nice. But it was very um, nice. They had like a beautiful like pathway that went through like a kind of like a school forest almost um down and around sock rapids is like right next to st cloud which is a larger city but sock rapids felt pretty rural mm-hmm. um kind of i would probably describe it as like suburban rural i don't know it was scary though because i had never been like away like removed from my family when i was removed you got an apartment got an apartment by myself yeah um I always say, though, that I really appreciate the principal that I had at that time. Because mm-hmm. he was just super supportive of, like, as a first-year teacher, the crazy ideas that you have. 
Sure. And he was like, yeah, give it a try. See how it goes. Just reflect on it. That sort of thing. And in hindsight, you think they were bad ideas or they were good ideas? Or? I don't think they were like awful ideas. Like, what's an example? Um, Like I was going to do like a point system for every class. And so like I had <laughs> like for like behavior management. So like for each class, I had it like up on the board and I had like a paper chain mm-hmm. or I made like a paper chain. So every day they were good, I would add a ring on. And then once they got to the floor, because it was at the ceiling, once it got to a floor, then we could have like a like half, half class period, like board games, blah, blah, blah. There's too much to keep up with. Sure. But he was like, yeah, go ahead. Stuff like that. So you liked your principal? Yeah, I I thought he was super supportive. What, I'm curious, um, because from the outside looking in, and maybe you can comment on is if you think this is just a egg-related situation or if you think it's teachers as a whole. I've always been super impressed with, and maybe the people in the industry would feel differently, but I can tell you from the outside looking in, it feels like you guys get a ton of opportunity for professional development. Mm-hmm. What in your kind of first year or two years did you feel like made you better? Or was it just mm-hmm. straight classroom time? I think it was just classroom time at that point. Like, so much of it... It it was just, like, getting comfortable in your own skin in your classroom. Mm-hmm. You know, like, and developing those, like, relationships and, like, just figuring out what works and what doesn't work. Do you and feel... it's kind of like that, like, you gotta, like, fail to figure out what's... Do you feel like you're more yourself today than then? Or do you feel oh, like yeah. you're more of, like, a teacher persona today than then? No, I... Well... I feel like I'm a better teacher mm-hmm. today than then. Um, I don't know. I would say I'm more myself, but like... I don't know. It's It was hard, too, at that... When, like, my first three years... Because you're so close to students' ages, especially, like, your seniors. Mm-hmm. And so I felt like, in some aspects, I fell into more of, like, the friend, like, oh, you have that turned in late? Just take a couple of extra days. You'll be fine. Get it in when you can. Where now I'm like, <laughs> it's a day late. That's 10% off. It's two days late. It's 20%. So I feel like maybe... You're a little more comfortable, like... Sticking to your guns, maybe? Yeah, and, like, enforcing rules, for sure. Hmm. So, what was maybe the... I want to go back to something really quick, too. Okay. So, there's one thing that my principal said that I really appreciated. And this was Eric? Yeah, Eric Martins. He is now the Minnesota High School League head guy. I don't okay. know what you would call him. So clearly he has some yeah, good managerial good leadership people skills. leadership skills. Uh, but he, I was feeling like so overwhelmed, I think it was my second year, with like 
paperwork and like stuff like sure. I, there's no way I can grade all this stuff like I have so many kids I don't have enough time I feel like that's all I'm doing is constantly grading and people who know me know that I like if I could take away one thing from teaching it would be grading like I loathe grading mm-hmm. like, I hate it um and he said like you don't have to grade everything and it's so simple and so stupid but it was like oh I don't okay he was like you can give work and it can just simply be for students to learn from it mm-hmm. and that's okay um and he was like you don't have to tell students that but you you can do that and that's okay um and I think as a first year teacher like your idea of teaching is like you assign uh assign it you get it back you grade it you give it back to the student you know like and you don't have to grade everything and I was like what Oh, so I always think that's something helpful. Is there any? Is there maybe a like general rule of thumb you use as far as like well, how I, many assignment do you just kind of base it on how? Is it is it more of a feel of how well you think the students are grasping the material, or is it more like you know fifty fifty or eighty twenty or how do you kind of what's your general rule of thumb for? I'm a lazy teacher just not grading things and well I think you should always grade um so I've done a podcast on it but at Highland we have formative and summative work so formative work is work that you're doing to be able to learn content and summative is like where you're showing what you've learned so I think that you should always be grading summative because students are showing what they've learned Mm -hmm. but I feel like it's not unfair to grade formative, um, but I oftentimes grade formative on a scale of like you've completed it or you haven't, you've tried it or you have not. Sure. Um, and more like a completion grade versus like, oh, you got this wrong. Because it should be that, that they are learning and they're not afraid to learn. Um, so that opens an interesting dialogue into do you think AGED is a little bit special in that way? That it, for me, it was always kind of a class that met, you know, there's like some classes in agriculture that are very hard science, but also very artsy, you know, floral design comes to mind. So do you think maybe you guys kind of serve a special space there? For formative and subjective work or just... Yeah, where there's maybe more of a unique balance there versus like, say, algebra or art. That kind of maybe are the two, you know, extremes yeah. of the of the scale. I don't know. I don't really know. So maybe a better measure would be: Do you feel there's students in your class that would struggle on one end of that spectrum or the other in more rigid or more loose categories that kind of oh, find absolutely. yeah find their way yeah. So, that was kind of skipping ahead a little bit, but savvy advice, I feel like. <laughs> yeah. It's just, I just think it's important. I always share some advice with other teachers because I'm like, it's just so easy to get caught up in like the idea of what a teacher is. and Sure. 
you feel like you're more comfortable today as far as adjusting your metrics to how you feel the class is understanding the material mm-hmm. yeah absolutely and I feel more I feel way more comfortable like oh they clearly need another day on this like let's mm-hmm. spend another day I, I'm going to go over this this way instead or whatever else and I think that just comes with time like you just get more comfortable with the content over time mm-hmm. so we can if there's anything I missed, we can hit it before we move on. But how do you go from teaching rural, semi-northern Minnesota to inner city? Well. <laughs> how did that transition How happen? did that happen? <laughs> a guy proposed to me on a fishing boat. <laughs> I don't remember that. <laughs> now, all that teams... sounds like a terrible proposal. I was supposed to catch a big fish, and I never did, so... He... Just waited until the sunset. Blame the guide. <laughs> um, so we got engaged. Sure. And then I taught... Did I te- teach one more full year? Yeah, I taught one more full year at Sock Rapids. Um, and that winter, I got a call from Julie Ketterling, and she was like, hey... I took a position with the district. My position is going to be open. Um, I don't remember this. This is interesting. <laughs> yeah, Julie. Always so how like, did you know Julie previous? I did my like early experience, like observation hours with her at Humboldt, which is another school within the St. Paul School District. So interesting. Shout out to Julie. Was in the St. Paul School District before, like long before I even knew I was going to be a part of it. Interesting. Um. So, she said this position was going to open. This was, like, end of December. And I was like, hmm. But there, you and I knew that we wanted to move back closer to family. Correct. Because it was always, if we have kids, family is super helpful. Which, right. now that we have kids. Super helpful. Truth. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and there was, there's not a ton of agriculture positions open near where we live. Um, hence the 45 minute drive that I have. Um, and so I was like, well, I might as well. And I think I turned in the application late, actually. I think you did. That sounds like you. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you. You're welcome. Um, so I turned in the application late. I don't remember like how the chain of events happened. I didn't know, like, I wasn't sure if I should tell my current principal if I was going to, like... Move on. Yeah, so I didn't. I kept it a secret, which I should have just told him, because I think he would have been fine with it. Honesty is key. Yeah. And he knew. When I told him, he was like, yeah, I kind of thought something was going on. Sure. Um, But I interviewed. It went well. And, then, and this was what you interviewed with Dr. Tucker, or did yeah. you interview with people from the district? Nope, Dr. Tucker. Shout out to Dr. Tucker, <laughs> big fan. <laughs> um, Peter Brown, who at the time there was two agriculture teachers there. There was Peter Brown and Julie Ketterling, mm-hmm. and then Julie Ketterling. So those three were in the my interview. Some heavy hitters. Went good. 
So I was really excited. Did you want the job? I wanted the job because I thought it was going to be a two-person department and it fit our need for like moving back home. Sure. So I got the job. I think I got the job like March or something like that. The job offer. The job offer. We didn't actually sign my contract until like the end of June because we got married the beginning of June and I didn't want to sign everything until I had a name change Mm. to make stuff smoother, which it didn't actually look smoother. Anyways. <laughs> Why are you looking at me like that? I'm not just enjoying the conversation. <laughs> um, no. Paperwork in our district. Being in a large district is always challenging. That way, like paperwork wise, it always seems like there's many hands that need to handle it before. You're in a very large school district. Yeah, before it gets to where it needs to go. Pros and cons. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So yeah, then I was leaving Sock Rapids. I was super sad to leave Sock Rapids too. I really and that's still one thing that I'm that I don't have at Highland that makes me a little bit sad is like a real meaningful connection with families. Um, You don't feel like you have that at Highland? I mean, there's a couple of parents that I know, like I see them and I know them, mm-hmm. but like Sock Rapids, I had like parent, like parents that, and grandparents that knew me. And I think that was because of County Fair, like we were so involved with County Fair and you got to know like the whole families and the cousins and the grandmas and the grandpas and... But there's pressure in that too, Oh right? yeah, yeah. But I do like... Like, we would do corn drive, and we started off at Cole Bowton's grandma's, like, house, and she made us all breakfast. Um, And so that part, you're like, oh, that was kind of nice. Mm -hmm. But definitely pressure. So back up a little bit, though. I mean, so you go from, like, rural Minnesota to, like, (laughs) literally downtown Minnesota. And you were just like, were you nervous? Were you excited? Were you just was I was indifferent? excited. I, I was nervous. I, I was super nervous. <laughs> I didn't know what I was getting I didn't myself know what to expect. into. I was like, I, what is my wife doing? Yeah, I don't know what I was getting myself into. Um, and it, now, was a good, and now, it was a really good move that I didn't know I was making. I think we'll both um, agree on that. Yeah. And... This is my own personal opinion, but out of all of the schools in, or all of the high schools in St. Paul, I really like Highland, and I think it's a very, very nice school. Yeah. Well, shout out to Highland. I want our <laughs> kids to go there. <laughs> they will not. <laughs> I wish they would. My, all my students always ask that. They're like, are you, your kids going to go here? I'm like, why would they go here? Every time they would have to hang out with their friends. Because they're high school kids. Then they would, we'd have to drive them in. Well, that's not a big deal. How far do you live? I'm like... Almost an hour, 45 minutes. Highland's awesome. Then they're always like, why do you live that far? That is dumb. Like, I mean, I they're semi-right. But there's so many people that drive into the cities yeah, every no, single day. I mean, we, we love where we live. but Yeah, so Highland was a delightful surprise. But I will say that my So first, first day, I mean, walk me through the first day. Were you just like, we're not in Kansas anymore, Dorothy? Yeah, or? we're not in Kansas anymore. I was legitimately like culture shocked 
for three weeks. Like I didn't know it was like I didn't know which way was up and which way was down. And little side note, I was nine weeks pregnant and really sick mm. and puking at lunch every day in my classroom alone. That'll happen. So on top of like trying to figure out a new school and all of that, I was shout out to all the moms out there <laughs> just being hardcore just trying to make it through the day yeah and i am a person who is super sick in the first trimester of being pregnant super healthy babies super thankful for that but i get really really sick and lose a lot of weight so since this has turned into like a new teacher survival guide essentially <laughs> is there like what are the key elements you felt like got you through the first year like the big transition into a different setting uh, I would say the co-workers that I made like connections with and became friends with a hundred percent have got me through that got me through that first year for sure and are what makes my job amazing um like what makes me like my job <laughs> now um i i remember like the first like the first week back to school I was nine weeks nine weeks pregnant and i told it was like actually one of the first people that I had told was Melissa, um, one of the teachers who taught next door to me. Because I was like, what if I have to like go barf somewhere, or like, what if I can't come in and I need someone to do like print off my sub plans or whatever? So I ended up telling her, and um, she was super excited for me, which was fun. Um, but then also was like, whatever you need, I'll help you out. And the teacher that teaches on the other side of me, Matt, was also like yeah, whatever you need will help you. Um, so I would say I'm super thankful just for everyone that, like, we're on third floor. We like to say third floor is the best. <laughs> but everyone really, really gets along on third floor. And one of my best friends is straight down the hallway. I can see into her classroom from my classroom. So just being able to, like, go to those teachers and vent, like, I had a terrible day or this lesson didn't go as planned or it just like was super boring what do you think about being able to make this better and like that's how some of my like best lessons have happened um and I would say I know that Allison and I have Allison's a chemistry teacher like she has even said you know this lesson like wasn't the greatest what do you think I could do and her and I have spent like 20 minutes going over well maybe you could do this or what if you tweaked that or what if you did this and I think that's really like what even like what makes or breaks your experience as a teacher, to be honest, in my experience. Mm -hmm. And I had really great coworkers at Sock Rapids too. Mm -hmm. But like, maybe you had to put yourself out there a little bit. Oh yeah, definitely. You definitely got to find like, Allison was just an easy fit for me to like connect with because her and I were pregnant at the same time. Mm -hmm. So as soon as I found out that she was pregnant, we were due, like, really close around the same time. 
our boys so we both had boys first and they were two weeks apart and then we both got pregnant at the same time and we had girls and our girls are three weeks apart so it's super easy to be like our best friends because um I don't know, our kids, right? So you mm-hmm. have that connection. So I think, like, obviously you have to put yourself out there and find, like, how you can connect with your coworkers outside of teaching um, and then kind of go from there. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. I don't know. So, I mean, say I'm, like, new to a district or new... Maybe not new to teaching, but like new to the environment. And is there anything that you felt like helped that process along besides being like willing to be vulnerable? Like, I mean, that yeah. I think you seems just, a little bit, yeah, a little bit hippy dippy, but yeah. yeah, yeah. So, this is also kind of cliche and hippy dippy, but like, you have to be willing to roll with the punches too. Because that first year, whether it's your first year teaching, um, like just in general, or your first year at a different school, it's not going to be like the most wonderful, beautiful, um, easy year. And you just have to be okay with that, um, which is hard and not fun. Um, but it's a learning process. Like there is so many things that you have to learn that you don't even think about when you're in a new school or new school district. Like how do I order order a bus for a field trip? Or how do I, like, we're going to have an FFA meeting after school. Can we just have an FFA meeting? Or do we have to fill out a calendar request form and a classroom request form and whatever else? So there's going to be a lot of things that you, like, just need a year to get it under your belt and figure it out before um, things start to really run smooth and you feel comfortable with them and all that good stuff, so... Mm-hmm. Give yourself a year. Roll with the punches. Find those people that are going to help support you. And mm-hmm. just know that the second, the third, the fourth year, get better. So I have two things come to mind. Like, A, or number one, I should say, like, I use you even in my own work environment. In my own work ecosystem as far as like I think you have amazing abilities as far as like separating church and state for lack of better words you are really good at just kind of rolling with the punches Ver- you know in contrast to me who's kind of a gotta check every box in order mm-hmm. otherwise I just can't do it mm-hmm. and also um I think you're very patient in that same vein. What advice do you have for someone? <clears throat> and maybe the moral of the story, I guess, what I'm getting at is, you know, it didn't feel like you had any idea that Highland was going to be such a good fit. It didn't feel like you had any idea that, you know, agriculture education was going to be such a good fit. You've kind of not blindly stumbled your way into it, but because you've been willing to kind of go with what fits or what works or what feels right, you know, the moral of the story a little bit being not even, I feel like trust your gut isn't even the right, you know, articulation of the situation, but 
what advice do you have to like people more like me? Like you deal with me on a daily basis and like being kind of <laughs> overly critical, overly critical and over analyzing the situation and being a little too hard on themselves about getting through maybe the first or second or even fifth year as people find their place and their role and their purpose within agriculture education. Like as someone who has such a big strength there, what what do you think people like if I was an egg teacher, what advice would you be giving me about calming down and working through it and and kind of letting it be letting it become its own thing a little bit yeah well, I think if you're in a position where you're feeling like overwhelmed or you're feeling like you uh, like you want everything to go right and it's like not in the cards for that to happen I think you really have to figure out like what is one thing that you want to do really well mm. so is it like content and you want to like really get to know your content super mm. well and maybe as a first year teacher like that's that's a real thing like you really want to be able to know that content and, and, and just because we're kind of doing the year one survival guide or big transition survival guide <clears throat> content wise is that something and I, I don't know the answer to this is the classes you want to teach something you're dictating or is that something the district is trying to dictate or, or you, would you be a bigger is that something you're deciding or, or you would suggest people be a bigger advocate for themselves about or kind of how to, um. how does that work in both the districts that I've taught in, I had a lot of say in what I wanted to teach and how and when I wanted to teach it. Sure. Um, the first year that I went into Highland, there were some classes that like were offered in the fall, and I thought they should be offered in the spring or whatever, so I let them know that that's what I thought, and then they switched it. Mm. Um, but um, I've had a lot of say in, in both schools of what I wanted to teach in... Um, and do you feel like it's been what like, I thought should be offered to students do you feel like you've had a like make a giant presentation to administration to no just kind of <laughs> um, no so your, I mean, your experience I, has been essentially I would like, say that, they like, respect your professional opinion yeah absolutely and I think now that we are studying the agro-science pathway at Highland like plant science was obviously like a lot better fit and stuff like that so I think if you're in a district where you're struggling to like get classes I think setting them up in different like like figuring out that pathway thing and like what are the classes that students can take that lead to college and career readiness um, is also just another thing in your back pocket to like support what classes you want to be able to teach but yeah so back to I kind of got. Yeah, you got. I got a little. I got a little tangential <laughs> there. I was curious. Yeah. I, I don't know how these things work. But back on kind of the the vein I was in, what advice do you have for? You know, the egg teacher out there that first year or big transition and they're just trying to do it all and and feeling the pressure from the community and feeling pressure from the district and feeling pressure from the student and feeling pressure trying to you know a lot of I would imagine a lot of teachers are in your position where we have a young family and mm -hmm. that's a full time job in itself just 
you know, being advocates for our two and four year old too. Like, what yeah. advice do you have to them to not let it all become? Because I've I've felt like even I I think you have an amazing story to tell or way of going about it where you keep that all you seem to have that all very good well balanced and I I think that's a struggle for a lot of people that have personalities like my own you know we struggle to keep that balance so what you know what would you tell us so going back to what I had said before like I think you need to pick one thing that you're gonna like focus on and agree that that is like your most important thing in teaching that you want to do the best that you can on. So it could be content, it could be classroom management, it could be FFA, whatever it might be, um, that you are just like, that's your wheelhouse, that's what you're going to do amazing things on. And then the rest of it is a lot of like figuring out how you're going to delegate, figuring out where your boundaries are in all of it, um, figuring out what like what's the bare minimum that you can do um, based on whatever your contract is. Uh, I talked a little bit about this on my maternity leave pod or episode, but it's important to figure out like what are your boundaries um, for your own self um, and what are like your priorities. So what is the most important thing in your life? And I would say, like, it's my husband and my kids and my faith. Um, and then I have, like, friends in there, family. So where does work fall in all of that? Mm-hmm. And then figuring out, um, you know, how do you make sure that you're putting those things first? And I struggle with that, too. Um, but I think that's a good way to frame it up. Like, if you're, and I've heard this before, like, if you're missing your your best friend's wedding because you have an FFA event you're not doing it right Mm -hmm. um so figuring out like those types of things I think are important to just know that you you can't do it all and you really shouldn't do it all um Mm. well I think that's an important message and I mean we I know personally at home we try and advocate advocate for you know, the healthiest versions of us are is what is ultimately best for our family. You know, there yeah. and there's certainly sacrifices to be made, but... The other thing is, and I had a second-year teacher message me and say, like, I just love FFA so much. I love working with those kids so much. They're so easy to work with. Mm-hmm. But I'm just dying in the classroom. Like, mm-hmm. I'm just feeling so overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. And my advice was, like what part of classroom stuff do you not enjoy? And it was, well, I don't like, I hate giving notes. I hate lecturing. I hate grading. And so then it's like, well, how can you put that back on the students? Mm -hmm. Like, how can you create stuff where, like, students Mm. are doing instead of you doing all the creating? And I think that's a really important thing to think of, too. Like, you don't always have to be up in front of the kids no lecturing and you don't always have to grade everything like I said before and you don't always have to be guiding them through every step of like this is photosynthesis and this is xyz like 
their Sarah nurse work is great at this um, mm-hmm. inquiry based learning and having the students like really dig in and dive in and figure out um, the content and, and what they're learning and how they learn um, simple things like instead of lecturing putting notes up on like pasted up around the room or um, taped up around the room so kids are getting up and moving um, around the room to take notes instead of you talking or maybe you um, even just like doing half the notes and the students doing the other half Um, simple things like instead of you giving notes can you give the students a project where they learn the same type of information whatever it might be so trying to figure out how can I flip this so that students are doing the work and I'm not. No, it, it really, it's a message that really, 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 really resonates. You know, because for me as a manager, you know, and what, you know, I want to be careful with what I say here because I think a teacher helps balance a child's mind between not getting too stressed out about the future, but at the same time preparing them for the future. And, you know, in, a, in an environment like I work in, in manufacturing um, and as a manager, <clears throat> and I have supervisors and as they come to me with issues you know, there's certain issues that, okay, yeah, let's put our heads down and figure this out. And there's certain issues that I look at them and say, like, you should have the tools and resources to figure this out on your own. Mm-hmm. Um, and you should have the tools and resources to help your staff figure this out on, on their own. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm huge, you know, I, I live and die by decentralized command. Mm-hmm. And it's something I learned in the military, first and foremost, that, you know, having to send you know in the military you get these cliches like chain of command and but the reality of the situation is is that they train us to well there is a chain of command um that everything should be solved on the lowest level Mm -hmm. the lowest level possible and that's because oftentimes say it's you know combat or say it's you know something much more mundane Mm -hmm. that you as an individual need to have the ability to solve things at the lowest level because it's too slow to put it all the way up the chain of command to get decisions, make decisions at the highest level and send it all the way back down. And we've all, you know, mm-hmm. the old game of telephone too, right? Like how many yeah. times has that message changed by the time it comes back down? Let alone, you know, we're up, you know, it's too late at that point for the critical decision is so you know that ability to I don't think any teacher should feel bad about kind of pushing their kids in a direction that helps them be critical thinkers because the most successful people I've working for me are the people that can just solve problems Mm -hmm. you know and that's teaching them at that age that they're capable of that yeah. You know, I, I truly believe from what I've seen as a manager in the, re, in, you know, in the workforce is that it's not that everyone doesn't kind of understand the right decision. It's that some people seem to be crippled by just making it. Mm-hmm. And it, if you guys are teaching kids to just like right, wrong or otherwise make the decision, 
that's like what what greater gift can you give a child honestly yeah so I think that's like critical advice that you know it's so important to not be feeling like if you're not providing this really safe environment where they're never gonna fail you know you're not being a good teacher where honestly it might be the complete opposite that is closer to the truth and also being okay with them seeing you fail I think is important oh and owning that and being and like oh that did not <laughs> Punnett Square is a perfect example mm-hmm. ever tell you that mm-hmm where I did it completely wrong, and then the kids were like... Came yes. back and told you? No, like, in the middle of the class, they were like, you were doing that so wrong, and then mm-hmm. the science teacher, Miss Connolly, was walking by, and they were like, Connolly, get in here, Wedger's doing this so wrong, and I was like, oh my god. Yeah. But then I was like, I was, I was totally doing it wrong, I, like, relearned it, figured out where I, like, messed up, and then retaught it the next day. Right. And now it's like uh, my kids that last year that did that, they were like, I'm like, it's okay if you mess up. Remember that one time that I messed up? And then I just redid it the next day. And they're like, wow, okay. Mm-hmm. So wait, it's like Yeah, a the kids now. don't care. Yeah. Well, and what... We use it as like a, you need to try something because Miss Wedger failed, but she still is here and alive. <laughs> well, and whether you're a teacher or you're in a boardroom or you are a military member at any level you know I don't think they're you want to see people's jaws hit the ground like stand up and say like I did this wrong I'm sorry I need to <laughs> I need to do it better you mean people say that yeah I mean I do I don't and I, and I think <laughs> as a leader it's super people really respect you yeah when you can when you have the willpower to stand up and say like that was I was wrong mm-hmm. I made a bad decision this is how we're going to learn from it and yeah. m- maybe even more than the respect or admiration it gains you I've found in in I've found in my ecosystem for lack of better words that then when I turn around and try and correct someone else's behavior as a, as a manager and I need to that people are way more, you know, maybe accepting of of the criticism coming their way. Because they know I'm not doing it out of spite or a superiority complex, you know. Because yeah. they've seen yeah. me humble my own self. Mm-hmm. I'm doing it out of because I want the whole team to function better. Yeah. You know, so I think kids, like what... Yeah, I think out of that we just pulled like two super important lessons like A, don't be afraid to put your kids in a position to fail Mm -hmm. and don't be afraid to show them that like everyone can fail and just own it and move on. So that's been one thing that this year I have made like a honest effort is to... I've always, like, kind of micromanaged my FFA officers mm. and, like, okay, you guys, this is your deal, blah, 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 but then they're, like, oh, you need this or you need to put in this form or you need this or blah, 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 or I'll take care of that, and this year I'm, like, nope, you guys are 100% doing it yourself, 
If you need groceries picked up, I will do that because I have the school credit card. And if you need, um, if you need my signature, I will do that. Those mm-hmm. are the only two things that I will do, and the rest you guys need to do. And it's hard because you're like, they're going to fail. Right. At some point throughout the year, they're going to fail. And it is a reflection on your chapter and on you personally. Mm-hmm. So it's like, but it's also like a super good learning experience. And so we've done a lot more of like meetings of like after events and okay, so how did that go? Who, you know, this didn't get taken care of. Why did it not take, get taken mm. care of? Who was in charge? Um, you know, like those sort of things. And I think that has been a way better learning experience. And I feel like our chapter has really grown because of it. No, and again, Because I let go of like the need to be perfect. That's amazing. And, and again, all related to kind of what I think is real, real world, you know, future stuff for the, what these kids are going to live and work in. You know, so many amazing things in that story. Like, you know, first and foremost, you letting go of that micromanagement, like, and being comfortable in your own skin that, like, it is a reflection on you. But look yourself in the mirror and decide, like, I've had to do this with my staff in a manufacturing environment. I need to look myself in the mirror and, and decide if, is the most important thing to me, like, how I look? Or how we're functioning as a team. And then letting the cards fall where they may. Mm-hmm. And, you know, overwhelmingly the satisfaction I've taken out of, you know, quit worrying so much about how I look to others in upper management. And be more focused on just am I developing my team or not. And if I feel like I am, like, leaning into that mm-hmm. has been amazingly rewarding. Yeah. And people, and you have to, I think you hit something on the head that's so important. Like, you have to understand a couple key elements. Well, two key elements. Like, first and foremost, people are going to disappoint you. You know, staff and adult staff in my workforce are going to disappoint me. So, certainly, the kids are going to disappoint you. Mm -hmm. But, well, three elements. So, there's that. There's the... Sometimes they're going to surprise you mm-hmm. and you're going to be so proud. Mm-hmm. And that feedback element that you're talking about is so amazing because there's, you know, I, I call it my superpower at work is like being able to give critical feedback in a way that people are receptive towards. Like it's amazing how many people cannot do that. Mm-hmm. But if done right, people are so receptive and it's the only time people truly learn, I feel like, is like, Okay, here's where we screwed up and here's where we need to do better. And if you can teach kids to do that in a non-combative, accepting environment, like you are setting them up for success in their future like you cannot believe. Mm -hmm. Because just like owning that like this didn't go as well as it could and here's where we need to do better and people not getting super defensive about, well, no, I did this part great and and Jane's the one that screwed up this part. Mm-hmm. If you can get that out and like, oh, as a team, here's where we did good, here's where we did bad, and here's where we are going to improve. I mean, that's lessons that are just irreplaceable. Yeah, absolutely. 
So that's it's just so cool to hear that you're doing that and not worried about as much. You know, obviously there's there's, still, there's yeah, boundaries and there's lines and there's trepidation around how does this reflect on me. Mm-hmm. You know, but in in my experience too, I think you have to, and this is where like you know, you talked about Eric your previous principal being great Mm -hmm. and your current principal, Dr. Tucker being great, you know, you need to give good leaders the credit of being good leaders. And, and as someone that likes to think they're a decent leader, like when I see my supervisors kind of put the team first, even though it might make them look bad, I see right through it. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, so you kind of you kind of got to take a leap of faith that like, you know, maybe a, a not so good leader will not kind of miss the point of mm-hmm. you relinquishing micromanagement type abilities mm-hmm. around something. But uh, what I found in, in my career and whether it was civilian or military, the really good leaders saw right through it and saw when I was being a good leader. Mm-hmm. And and I think that's important for kind of new teachers or teachers in a new environment to understand. Like, and I and I've you know you've only been in two districts from again from my ten thousand foot view. Like, the teacher world is an impressive one to me because it's it you know in any environment you're gonna have good and bad and you know. A, a typical bell curve of people in the middle, but you know, it's amazing the type of talent that a profession like teaching attracts. You know, yeah. People that are really concerned about making kids' futures better. Mm-hmm. And I think you're a great example of that. And the, and the people listening to something like this that are taking the time to better themselves are a, a fine example of why. You know, it is truly a special profession. and Well, I think even agriculture education mm-hmm. is a super cool zoomed-in little community that yeah. um, is super interesting. Mm-hmm. All these people listening, getting professionally developed. Supposedly. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> oh. Or maybe being entertained. Maybe. One or the other. Yeah. Maybe um, both if we're lucky. So, you want to wrap this thing up? Mm-hmm. I'm getting kind of tired. What time is it? Almost to midnight. New Year's Eve, people, and we're recording the podcast. So, I think it might be fun to do the three questions that I ask everybody. Do you know what they are? No. You don't? No. You you tell me you listen to every podcast I do. I didn't say I finished them. <laughs> okay, so the first question is the person who's had the most influence on my teaching career. Well, I'm not a teacher. I know. I'm answering them. Oh, you're answering them. I know. Them. <laughs> oh. You can answer them too, um, but you could do it on just your career in general. So my person is, um, you probably know this, but Bob Marzoff, who we talked about already, but um, was my agriculture, one of my agriculture teachers in high school, 
um, and just has always been someone that has checked on me throughout this whole process of being a teacher. Checked in on me. He was like my my mentor my first year of teaching and came into my classroom and helped me out um and it's just always been that person that is like your like guaranteed cheerleader um he actually just sent me a message tonight and was like I'm so proud of you you're doing so great you're so special uh and it's just really nice to have a person like that Mm. um and he was such a magical teacher he's retired now which is good for him, but mm. in the classroom was just such a magical teacher. It was so good connecting with students, and um, I was his TA, and he, it was like that, he knew that he just could, like, go and send me, like, go clean out the greenhouse. I need this, this, and this done, and it was taken care of. Um, Great example of someone that wasn't afraid of yeah. How their students' behavior reflected on them. Was willing to give you more leash than you deserved. I mean, more so you than I. <laughs> wow. I was pretty trust and I, I feel like that was a great kind but, of a yeah. bring it full circle. Like he, yeah. he gave people a lot of yeah. leader. A lot of students, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Whether so it was a straight-laced straight student like you or a not-so-straight-laced student like me. Yeah. Who's your person most influential on your career in general? Do you have someone? JBP. You can't. It has to be someone you know. You can't just I say mean, I, Jordan B. Peterson. I you don't like even... My husband has a strange obsession with Jordan B. Peterson, which... He is a very interesting human being. Has some great stuff out there, I would say. Caleb would like to probably hug and kiss him if he saw him in person. Well, I'd kiss him for sure. <laughs> Do you have anyone else? Um, I mean, two people that have really given me a lot of... I don't know. It's tough. I think probably Brad Gargabrek on the military side gave me a lot of confidence that I was, had a lot of potential and maybe Mike Trailer on the civilian side, who was a business acquaintance, uh, helped me believe in myself the most. They're good ones. Not what I expected. They're good. Um, okay, next question is your favorite restaurant and your go-to meal at that restaurant. Mine's Revival in St. Paul. They have one in Minneapolis too, but we like the St. Paul one. And I love their, well, their burnt ends, their fried chicken. The first time we went there, we got, like, a smorgasbord of, like, everything. So, we got, like, the burnt ends, the fried chicken, their cheeseburger. Was there one other thing? And, like, ribs. The ribs? Was that some other, the like... The burger. I just said the burger. Oh. <laughs> I was trying Anyways, to think. And then, like... I was busy thinking. Cornbread and... One thing at a time. Then, then, like, with some delicious dessert. Yeah, I don't even know. They have like house bunt cakes, something that made me want to die. 
So that would be mine. Would yours be the same? No. Like my favorite it? restaurant and go-to meal? Yeah. I mean, if I'm going to be honest with everyone, I'm just going to say McDonald's. You would. No, getting, it's not. Getting, so... getting 40 nuggets. 40. Would you not? That is so, <laughs> such a lie. No. You don't, you don't leave McDonald's. No, here's the like, thing about oh, this. I'm so Here's excited. the thing about this meal. Like, you go to McDonald's. You get this 40 gross. nuggets. You pay for the extra barbecue sauce since they're stingy now. You sit in your car alone. You eat it. When have you done that? You, like, once a month. And no, you, you don't. And you feel so terrible about yourself, and you tell no one. Like, that's just... That's not your favorite. That's key. That's a lie. I mean, I enjoy it when I do it. That's a lie. Key, you tell no one <laughs> that you so just ate stupid. 40 McNuggets. That's <laughs> amazing. I'm not going to lie, though. When I was pregnant, I used to stop. I used to do that. Yeah. I used to eat food before I would come home. Yeah. I was so hungry. You don't tell anyone. You, I don't brag. <laughs> I would go to KFC. I don't KFC. brag that I just ate KFC, 40 McNuggets. And I would order coleslaw. KFC is funny. <laughs> coleslaw. So disgusting. Coleslaw and biscuits, and I'd eat that. I think everyone can agree <laughs> that KFC is like the McDonald's of like it's nasty. all the restaurants under McDonald's. Chick-fil-A or Chick-fil-A's yeah. Which one? What's your choice? Between you Chick-fil-A. might make some Georgia people mad. So. Definitely Chick Fil A. <laughs> All right. You didn't make the Georgia people mad. They're Chick Fil A down. Definitely Chick Fil A. Yeah. I don't know though. Every once in a while, Canes is pretty good. No, Canes doesn't have Kane's... good sauce. Chick Fil A sauce is I the like bomb. Sauce. It's not better than Chick Fil A sauce. I don't know. Hands down, though, Chick-fil-A has better fries than Cane's does. The waffle fries. I mean, I am happy that you're in denial and not just, like, disgusted with me that I eat, like, at least once a month. I just crush 40 nuggets. There's no way. And don't tell That's anybody. That's so gross. Oh, yeah. It's not it's That's not why you don't I'm, feel well. It's not something I'm proud of. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the highlight of my week when it happens. What's your favorite Starbucks drink? My favorite Starbucks drink. Right now, definitely like that weird micro thingy. The cold one? Oh, yeah. With the with the the cold brew with the foam? Yeah. I don't know what it's called. I can't remember. It's delicious. Not only is it delicious, it makes you feel like Superman. Freaks me out a little bit. Makes you feel like Superman. There is some ungodly amount of caffeine in that thing. And then it's made with egg whites. I'm into it. All right. I'm rocking the almond milk Chai tea. green tea latte. Oh, green tea. Yeah. Get adventurous. I mean, not really. That's what I've ordered pretty consistently for many years. Fair enough. <laughs> I feel okay. like you're a chai tea girl. I, I like chai to spice it up every once in a while now. Hmm. I was chai tea pretty hardcore in college, but not right now. Hmm. Um... Okay, last question is your three simple pleasures or simple joys in your life. Hmm. Um, I would say when our kids laugh, because <laughs> their laughs are hilarious. Mm-hmm. Like tonight, Josie was had a little puppy and she was making it meow, <laughs> and she thought it was so funny. She did think she was funny with that. Like she thought just, she was very original. And tonight when we were sledding. And they're just like, like, just a really good, like, little kid laugh. 
is hands down the best. Clutch. Um, my second one is Starbucks coffee or Starbucks tea or whatever. Like I just a tea, like just getting a warm cup of coffee or tea is like just so blissful. Um, and I would say my last one is yoga. Mm. You like really encouraged me last year, this time last year, well, at the beginning of December to do something for myself. And I started doing yoga and I really, really enjoy it and like it. And I've found a lot of, um, not just like exercise benefits from it, but like mental health benefits from it too. Mm. It's been good. And a bonus one, because I run this thing, (laughs) is when I have freezing cold feet and I can stick them between your legs at night. Not a fan. That's my favorite. That's how I warm up my feet. Not a fan. (laughs) So, those are my simple joys. What are your simple joys? I actually have them written down. You do? Yeah. Why? In my phone. Under gratitude. (laughs) What are they? Do you have three or you have more than that? I have five currently. Alright, well read off your five. Um a snowfall on a quiet morning. Oh yeah. That's good. Uh like when you're heading out to work and it's just like lightly snowing. Yeah. Healthy food. Oh yeah. We've uh, I really changed up our diet since I had to do gluten free and dairy free. I really appreciate healthy food. Yeah. It's a lot of work. Sure is. It can be expensive. Very. And I'm just grateful for the opportunity to have healthy food to eat. Yep. I would agree. Even though I occasionally eat 40 McNuggets. Yeah. Cry. You're like, yeah, you're very good at all or nothing. Pretty much. Uh... A good friend that is in a true place to listen when you need it, mm-hmm. which is, as we get older, seems to be, you know. Life's hard. Yeah. Especially and everyone's got kids, too, and yeah, other things. Everyone's and... super busy. So, like, occasionally, when you tell a friend something and they seem like they're actually listening, I'm very grateful for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also have the kids' laughter on here. God, it's just so good. Yeah. Little baby laughs, even it's, older kids, like just those belly laughs. It's just joy. our kids think they're really funny they too. They do think they're funny. I mean, I'm. I think I'm pretty funny. You do. I. <laughs> you guys think you're the funniest ones in the room for I sure. Know. They've got that from me. We are funny though. And my last one is a twofer, but oh. under one bullet, so it oh, counts good. as one. And that's freshly tilled earth and a hot burning fire. The oh. smell. The smell of freshly tilled earth in a hot burning fire. Yup. I would go with both of those. Yeah, when we get our garden all nice and tilt up and it's mm. like fluffy and smells good mm-hmm. and it's cool like when you put your hands or your feet in it and it's mm-hmm. cold still. And I am a pyro. Hannah is a pyro. Our, she so has a problem. My dad's family is like known for fire, like having fires and bonfires and stuff like that. My dad's family has had a lot of incidences with fires. (laughs) (laughs) 
my poor uncle has come by and just caught on fire. Burned up. <laughs> um, but I love a good fire. I'm a pyro. I love it. With the smell of it. The smell of it's good. I appreciate it's... the smell of a hot fire. Mm-hmm. It's got a very unique smell. Yeah, crisp. Yeah, those are good. It's so good to be thankful for those things. It just really puts life into perspective. Simple pleasures. I could go on and on and on with that list, but mm-hmm. those are just the ones that come to mind. Happen on a daily. So, all right. Well, you no longer have Instagram or Facebook, so the people cannot follow you or find you. They cannot. You. He... I'm not about that life it's anymore. It's not on TikTok, but is watching TikTok videos on YouTube because I mean, he's so cool. <laughs> I just outed you. <laughs> I'm not embarrassed. I still um, don't have any social media apps on my phone. But if you have any burning questions to ask this handsome fellow of mine, you can always send me a DM on the Insta. I think that's it. I will certainly give you an answer back. (laughs) You just finished listening to Ag with Miss Wedger, where I'm sharing chapters from my book of agriculture with each of you. I hope you enjoyed listening and learned a little bit more about our topic for today. Visit my Instagram at Mrs. Wedger to follow along on my daily journey as an agriculture teacher, a wife, and a mama at two. If you have any questions or ideas on topics you want me to dig in and cover, or if you, yeah you, want to be a guest, you can send me an email at agwithmisswedger at gmail.com. I hope you have a great week and we will talk to you soon. Bye-bye everybody.